This week, the Scottish Government announced £10 million for pop-up cycling and social distancing measures on our roads and streets across Scotland. This will mean that in Edinburgh some streets will be closed and on others pavements could be widened. We spoke to Lorna Slater, the co-leader of the Scottish Greens, about what this could mean in relation to the climate emergency. So you are the co-leader, is that correct? Co-convener, co-leader of the Scottish Greens, along with Patrick Harvey. And it's obvious that you are big on uh, all things green, active travel, things like that. So, so has this week been a good week? I think it's been very promising indeed. Uh, we're hoping that this £10 million will be a good kickstart for getting councils thinking in a different way about how we use space uh, and allowing people to cycle and walk and really enjoy their city centres and town centres safely. Yeah, this is the £10 million which Michael Matheson, the Transport Secretary, announced earlier this week to support pop-up active travel infrastructure, which I think just means widening pavements, giving us some cycle lanes that uh, cycling campaigners have been calling out for for years, um, proper segregated cycleways, and um, just allow everybody a little bit more distance. Um, how do you think that um, coronavirus is affecting people and active travel? Do you think it actually is perhaps making them think a little bit more about what they're doing? I absolutely think it is. So it looks like reduction in traffic in Edinburgh, for example, traffic has gone down by about 75%. So that means that the streets are open for people to cycle more safely. Unfortunately, in the last few years, we have had a number of cycling fatalities in Edinburgh which I think has discouraged people. So I think now people are feeling more encouraged to get, get that bike out or even to buy a bike and get out there. there. Something that is worrying me though is that I've seen myself that a lot of drivers are taking the empty streets as an opportunity to exceed the 20 mile per hour speed limit and are zooming around the place, which is very dangerous. So we still need these segregated cycle lanes to ensure that people can be safe while cycling. Yeah, I think the, uh, the the first minister, the Scottish government, have have recognised that, and actually, in some places in Scotland, they've recognised that um, the number of cars on the roads or vehicles on the roads have actually increased. Of course, some of that may be to do with people um, out volunteering, workers using cars rather than um, you know public transport or whatever. But um, so. I'm going to ask you something um, that uh, you, you can take your time to answer. So do you think that coronavirus is going to mean that we will have no climate emergency now? Uh, definitely not. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> we are still going to have a climate emergency. Unfortunately, looking at some of the data that's come out this week, I retweeted an article on it. Our carbon emissions have not dropped enough to start making a significant impact, which should come as a, as a big wake-up call to all of us. That even though there's 75% less car traffic, a fraction of the air traffic that there used to be, carbon emissions really haven't dropped significantly. And this just goes to show how much of those carbon emissions are not the individual responsibility of us as people and not about choices that we can even make. They're about how our 
energy is produced, how our steel is smelted, how our cargoes are transported around the world on diesel ships. They're not something that we can tackle as individuals. The climate crisis, the climate catastrophe is still coming. It's bigger than coronavirus. It's more dangerous than coronavirus. It's slower moving than coronavirus. In some ways, I think, if anything at all positive can come out of this terrible tragedy and, and stress and awfulness that has been the coronavirus, is that we can look at what an emergency response really looks like. We've been calling it a climate emergency now for a couple of years because six degrees of warming will lead to 95% on life on Earth being extinguished. But governments haven't reacted to it as if it's an emergency. We now have an example of how a government behaves when it really is something that they consider an emergency. So this kind of scale of response is what we are going to expect governments to do now when dealing with the climate emergency, significant fundamental changes to how our society and economics work. How have you managed to um, cope so far on a personal level? Um, I'm presuming you're able to work from home. Tell us a little, give us a little snapshot of uh, Lorna at home during coronavirus, during COVID-19. So for me, things haven't changed that much. I work in tidal energy. So I'm an engineering project manager in tidal energy, and we are building the Orbital O2, which is going to be the world's largest floating tidal turbine. It's a commercial machine that we're making. Our prototype that we built a few years ago worked really well. So now this is a commercial system. We are working with companies all over Europe to build this turbine. And fortunately, many of our colleagues, factories in Germany, the Czech Republic, Italy are still functioning and the turbine is still being built. So all of our engineering team, including myself, are working from home. We're doing everything by Zoom calls. We're still working quite long days, but the turbine is still happening. We're doing our inspections of components and stuff by video call, by photograph. We're doing, all, we're sort of on conference calls all day, but it's definitely still happening. So for me, the days are not so much different. I do a full day of work. I do some green party stuff, some green party meetings. I try and get some exercise and cook and clean. And by that time, it's time for a glass of wine in bed. <laughs> so the days just time fly for... by. <laughs> yeah, they certainly do. It seems to everybody that that, that they are flying by and uh, one day slides uh, you know, into the next. Of course, it's not the same for everyone. And certainly there's lots of volunteering and lots of good stuff happening. But it's interesting to, um, it will be interesting, I think, particularly here in Edinburgh, to see uh, what the road closures, which are actually going to be in place by the end of this weekend, will actually mean. I mean, already Silver Nose Road has been closed. That's probably to stop people driving to uh, go and walk down by Silver Nose. Um, and um, there, you know, there are another two which are going to be closed, Braid Road and Lynx Gardens, both of which are um, kind of beside areas where people would go to take some exercise. So it may be interesting to revisit this in a week or two and see how it has worked. So the, the road closures uh, certainly will uh, give cars less space. Definitely. And hopefully that means that families can get out and get the kids on the bikes and get to these green spaces more safely. And I'll just encourage everybody to be able to get out, but with that, wish that really important space for distancing. 
Yeah, absolutely. Great. Well, perhaps we'll revisit this in a week or two with you, Lorna. And I know you'll be at home. I definitely am not going anywhere. <laughs> Thank you very much for speaking with us this morning. Thank, Thank you, Phyllis. Thank you so much for listening to the Edinburgh Reporter podcast. Listen out for more episodes coming soon.